bells they're ringing loud and clear you can't help but love this time of year it's christmas time and there's something in the air there's a little bit of heaven What child is this who lays to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard. And angels sing. Haste, haste to bring 
Remember Christ our Savior was born upon this day To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy Oh, tidings of comfort and joy Shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. What oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. What oh, tidings of comfort and joy.
Jesus, and He's all we Welcome to Stones Crossing Church. I'm Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. And man, it's just so great to have you guys join us this morning. We are in the season of Advent. And the word Advent means coming or arrival. And so we are anticipating the, the coming of our Savior during this season of Advent. And so oftentimes we think of Advent as a time of celebration and joy. But it's, it's a time of waiting and just a time of longing for the coming Savior. And so we know that the Savior's already come, and so what we're longing for is the second advent, the second coming of Jesus, where we're going to be able to spend eternity with him. And so it's this time period of just waiting and longing. And when we sit in that waiting and that longing time, it makes Christmas that much more joyful because we get to celebrate then the Savior that's come to earth for us. And so each week here at Stones, we, we light a candle remembering the things that we have because of Jesus is coming to earth. We have hope. We've got love, joy, and we've got peace. And so this morning specifically, we remember the love that God showed in sending his son to die for our sins. And so this is a very, very common verse, and it's John 3.16. And I'd love for you guys to read it with me this morning. It's going to be on the screens behind me. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so when we talk about being saved and taking that step of faith, the way that we can show that publicly is through baptism. And so baptism, it's an outward sign of an inward change. It's a, it's a public proclamation of an inward transformation. And so this morning, we've got the joy of seeing our friend Carly be baptized here in a few minutes. And it's her taking that step of faith to say that I am a Christian, I believe in Jesus. And so she'll be united in Christ's death and then also raised to new life in him. In Galatians, it it paints a great picture of what baptism is. And so that's going to be on the screens. And I'd love for you guys to read this verse with me from Galatians. It says that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we remember that God sent his Son that we might have new life. And then when we take that step of faith, it's no longer us who's living, but it's God living in us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And so I want to invite you to stand with us. And we're going to sing and celebrate the work that God's doing in Carly's life. And we're going to hear her story and then see her be baptized and celebrate this morning. Here we go. God above all the world in motion. God above all my hopes and fears. And I don't care what the world throws at me now. It's going to be all right. Yeah. Hear the sound. And hear the sound of the generation. Making loud our freedom song And all in all that the world will know your name We're gonna be alright cause I know my God saved the day and I know His His word never fails and I know my God made a way for me Salvation is God above all my hopes and fears And I don't care what the world throws at me now It's gonna be alright cause I know my God saved the day And I know His, His word never fails And I know my God made a way for me It's gonna be discovering who God really is and finding my identity in Him. Going into my freshman year of college, I thought my freshman roommate and I would really hit it off with a good start. And for a while that seemed to be true, but then I really noticed like something beginning to change toward the end of the first semester. She made a choice to not, not speak to me and it left me um, in a really uncomfortable position. It was just crazy to think that um, another Christian could have the power to hurt me as deeply as what she was able to do and that it would affect me so much. But at the same time, I'm also thankful for that situation because it really allowed me to rebuild my faith and trust in God again. A big part of what allowed me to work through um, my whole roommate situation was one of my Bible study leaders. I really saw how much faith she had in God and I really looked up to that like so much so that I began to think like I want to get to that point. It was in December when I was at a crew meeting. One of the interns was talking about an opportunity to go to Guatemala with crew and I began the process of support raising for that. I wasn't 
reaching like the goal, my goals and I was supposed to be reaching them. So I was getting really discouraged, but I remember praying that if God wanted me to go to Guatemala, he'd provide a way for, for me to go. 48 hours before I was supposed to leave, I get a call from the intern leading it. She told me that Filter Pope was gonna pay the remainder of my way to go. I was like, okay, this is an answered prayer, but it was still like a, a scary thing to step out on faith and say yes to the Lord um, in a way that I never have before. That was the first time that I began to see how God wanted to use me. Leading up to the trip, I remember just thinking that like I wasn't good enough to go on a mission trip. I wasn't like at the right place spiritually to go. Um, but He really showed me that He wanted to use me. He's going to find a way to do that. I just saw how God was transforming me, and so I just feel like Guatemala was like the, a good stepping stone of my faith and really wanting to continue saying yes to Him and just see where that would take me. I can see myself like wanting to share more of my story, share more of God's story. So this kind of led to me thinking about baptism and wanting to publicly show how God has been able to reveal my boldness in myself and how he just really wants to use me for his kingdom. with Christ we then have the Holy Spirit living within us and so we sing that out right now just proclaiming that truth that salvation is within us here we go salvation is here salvation is here and it lives in me salvation is here salvation that died just to set me free Salvation is here. Salvation is here and it lives in me. Salvation is here. Because you are alive and you live in me. Salvation is here. Salvation is here and it lives in me. Salvation is here. Salvation is here, cause you are alive and you live in me. Amen. Amen. Well, you guys can go ahead and take a seat. What's so, so cool to see that and experience that 
this morning and to, to be able to celebrate. And what we celebrate, church, is not Carly, but we celebrate God doing a great work within Carly's heart and life. And so we give him the glory for what he's doing. We don't give, we give, you know, we don't give Carly the glory, but we just celebrate with her and just praise God for his grace and his love and his mercy. And so what's so awesome is each week when you guys give here at Stones, your giving directly impacts lives being changed by the gospel. Whether it's through mission trips, whether it's through the gospel being preached here in this room, back with our children, or even with our students, your giving is allowing people to hear the gospel and then take that next step of faith and respond, and even by being baptized like we saw today. And so each week when you guys give, I want you guys to give in faith, trusting that God is going to do a great work which, with what you're giving to him. And so we give with joyful hearts and thankful hearts. And so as a church, we thank you for your generosity week in and week out to where we can provide these environments for the gospel to be preached all throughout our church. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for our offering in a second, but I'm going to have the ushers, they're going to come forward um, as I begin to pray, and then they'll begin passing the buckets here in a few seconds. So God, we thank you for the gift of today and the gift of being able to gather and to worship you just in fellowship with one another is such a blessing. And so we thank you for the life of Carly and the work that you're doing within her. And like we've already said, to you be the glory for what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do. And so this morning as we give, we give with, with generous hearts and we give with joy just in response to how you've provided for us and blessed us financially. So we thank you and we praise you. And so we give trusting you to do great work. To your name I pray. Amen. Amen. It gets so exciting up in here whenever we have one more person make the family of God even bigger. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Amen. Well, my name is Ariel. I'm the Connections Director here at Stones, and I just want to invite you to fill out a Connect card if you're new with us this morning. This is a way that we can get to know your name, and if you'll bring it out to the info counter after service, I'll be out there with our our staff team and some volunteers. We have a gift for you just to say thank you for being here this morning. And we want to let you know that Christmas Eve is coming up. We have two services Christmas Eve at 3.30 and 5, and it's geared for the whole family. We want you there. We want you to invite your friends, your family, your coworkers, anyone who does not have a church home or somewhere to spend Christmas. We want you there, and we have um, an opportunity for you guys to get family photos. It's going to be such a great um, way to celebrate the coming of our Savior and just to spend time together as a church family. So let's go ahead and continue to worship. And here comes Adam. I invite you to stand up as we're going to sing another Christmas carol. And it's, it's a song that I've, I've sang a lot. I'm sure you guys have sang. But it's got a word in it that you may not know the meaning. Does anybody know what the word Noel means? What, if you know what Noel means, why don't you say it out loud? Christmas, a resounding Christmas. You guys all know what that means, obviously. So the word Noel, is, it means Christmas. And so we sing Noel, Noel, born is the king of Israel. And so that's what Christmas is. It's celebrating the birth of Jesus. And so we're going to sing that this morning. The first Noel The angels did say was to certain poor shepherds 
declaring that you are a king, that you sent your son as our saving king. And so we thank you for that. And so we thank you for your word and the gift that it is to us, that it guides us, instructs us, encourages us. And so this morning, we, we just pray that you do just that. Speak truth over our lives today, that as we open your word, that your spirit moves within us. As we open up our hearts to you and give you the praise and the glory that you deserve. So we trust you and we love you. It's your name I pray. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Well, good morning, everybody. Go ahead and uh, grab a Bible or a device with a Bible on it. Turn to Isaiah chapter 11. Are you excited about Carly this morning? Can we just give God a round of applause for... For that um, first service, uh, Elena Tedro got baptized, and uh, so just a great day of celebration of, of God's new life um, working in our church. Let me share with you a couple of things that you need to know about uh, coming up. Uh, you know that we are um, we're in the middle of a vision initiative called Deep and Wide, and uh, we received started receiving commitment cards from that, and at the end of November, so we'll be receiving those. Um, we're still receiving those, and we will continue throughout the end of the year. So we want to encourage you to get them in by the end of December. Uh, so that just helps us. So that's one thing. The second thing is uh, Pastor Dave told me there was uh, an unexpected delay. We were supposed to start construction breaking ground uh, this week, uh, but there was a delay. So they have moved it back uh, to January 2nd, and they absolutely will begin on that day. They have to because steel's coming in, and uh, they've got to get uh, the site prepped for that. So, uh, so they will beginning um, in earnest January 2nd. One th other thing I want to just uh, have you pray about and think about, 
uh, Christmas Eve, the Christmas Eve offering uh, during both of those services will go to our deep and wide uh, expansion initiative. So, so just pray about that. If God would uh, lead you to give, um, you know, just just know that that's where it's going to go. And and um, we're not going to make a big deal of it because we'll have a lot of guests that night. Uh, but that's um, what we're planning on doing with that offering. Everybody get it? Very good. Well, um, before we read the passage this morning, I want to. I want to just take a little time just to kind of go back to what I talked about last week. And, and that is, you know, a lot of people do struggle this time of year. And a lot of people uh, just are down and discouraged, uh, maybe even depressed. And I think one of the reasons why that's the case, especially during the Christmas season, is because I think Christmas, more than any other time of the year, really awakens us to unfulfilled longings in our lives. In other words, I think that there is, and I think we would all admit this, that there's something uh, in us that we would recognize is missing, that there's an emptiness, a void. There is, a, there is an, an inner ache, if you will. Uh, there's just, something's not right. And I, I, think that, I think that if we were, you know, did a little introspective kind of soul searching, I, I think we would all agree to that. And I'm not talking about you know, just for people that, you know, have been married, you know, seven times or, you know, they have some kind of criminal record or they've experimented with every known drug on the planet. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about ordinary, everyday people, uh, people that have had, you know, great marriages and they've raised great kids and great grandkids and um, people that have been very successful in their business and in their job, they're well-respected in the community. I think if we were honest, we'd have to say that there is there's something missing. There's something that we yearn for that, is, that goes unfulfilled. And I think more than anything, you know, Christmas brings that out. And I think the question is, what is that longing and where did it come from? I think that's the question. What is that and where did it come from? You know, C.S. Lewis wrote a great deal about this. In several of his books, he's mentions, he mentions this inner longing, this, this emptiness, this void in our life. And I want to I share a quote with you because I think he just nails something. He says, our, our lifelong nostalgia, our longing to be reunited with something in the universe from which we now feel cut off, to be on the inside of some door which we've always seen from the outside is no mere neurotic fancy. He says, but the, it's the truest index of our real situation. And to be at last summoned inside would be both glory and honor beyond all merits and also the healing of that old ache. Now, what in the world is he talking about? He, he's really talking about the fact that we have this longing. We have this desire within us that that in life goes unfulfilled. And it's a yearning. It's like something, something is missing in life. And what he says is, he says, that's not mental illness to have that longing. It's not some neurotic fanc- you know, fantasy to have this yearning. It is the truest part of who we are as human beings. That's what he's saying. And he's saying we need to pay attention to it. And what he says is to have, you know, to, to be summoned inside, to have that door open that we've not been able to get through our entire life would be a glory and honor that's beyond all of our merit. 
It's beyond something we, we even deserve. And he says it would be the healing of that old ache. I, I think more than anything, Christmas arouses that. I think it brings to our awareness yearnings and, and you know, uh, desires that are unfulfilled. And, and, and I think maybe for a couple of reasons, it could be that, you know, as you're thinking as adults, you know, uh, Christmas reminds you of your happy childhood. You know, if you grew up in a happy home and a loving family, maybe Christmas just brings you back to a time when you were more carefree and you just felt loved, you know. And, you know, as an adult, you don't, you're, you're not nearly as carefree as you used to be as a kid and, and maybe you don't feel as loved. And so you just have this yearning to get back to that place. And Christmas promises it, but it never delivers, does it? Or it could be that, you know, we think of Christmas as, you know, time of fun family celebrations and get-togethers. And, and it just brings to your mind and heart a longing for the ideal family. And you look at your family and your family's far from ideal. You know what I'm saying? Like your family's the Griswolds, you know, that's kind of how you evaluate it. And Cousin Eddie's coming over for Christmas. You know, you know who Cousin Eddie is from the movie Christmas Vacation? You guys remember, remember him? Uh, a member of our church, Glenda Russell, posted uh, about this on Facebook this week. And she asked, what are, the, what are some funny lines from that movie that, that really made you laugh? And one of them I read, I just absolutely love this. You know, Cousin Eddie and his family, they show up uninvited, unannounced, you know, um, and he turns to Clark and says, uh, basically, you're surprised to see us, Clark. And uh, Clark says, oh, Eddie, if I woke up with my head stapled to the carpet tomorrow, I wouldn't be any more surprised than I am right now. Um, and maybe that's it for you. You know, you, you wish your family was something that it's really not. And, um, and it can't be a great Christmas, at least in your mind, because Cousin Eddie's coming over, right? And so... Uh, but I think it awakens that within us. Uh, we become aware of that. And I think, I think one of the things about Christmas and one of the reasons why we try to cram so much into the Christmas season um, is because of these awakened longings. You know, this is the time of year where we eat too much, we spend too much, uh, we schedule too much, uh, we give too many presents. And when it's all over, when it's all said and done, the ache and the emptiness is still there, isn't it? And uh, Christmas just can't satisfy. Well, you know, as C.S. Lewis observed these desires in his life, he, he made another interesting comment about them. He says, you know, these desires, these longings, uh, these yearnings in us really point to something greater. Notice, notice what C.S. Lewis says. This is from his book, Mere Christianity. He says, he says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Boy, that is profound, isn't it? And you know what's interesting about this revelation for him is this is what led him to Christ. He was a professed atheist for years. But he came to the conclusion that he, his life was filled with these unfulfilled yearnings and desires that nothing in the world could give him. And he came to the conclusion, I must be made for another place. And it was that that led him to give his life to Christ. And he said, you know what? I came into the kingdom kicking and screaming because I didn't want to be a Christian. But he said, on the other side, I was surprised by joy. And, um, and so 
Here's what I want to do this morning. You guys, I want to read a passage of scripture that I think is one of the greatest passages of scripture you've probably never heard of. It is Isaiah chapter 11. And what Isaiah is going to do is he is going to prophesy. He's going to predict the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ. But he is going to point us beyond the birth of Christ to the world that you and I were made for. And I think what he does specifically in this passage, as he describes the coming of the Messiah, as he describes who he is and what he's going to do, he really, he really pinpoints three yearnings and desires that I think all of us have that only Jesus fills. So we're going to read the first 10 verses. I'm going to invite you, if you're willing and able, would you stand out of respect for the reading of the word of God today? Isaiah prophesies, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness, the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze and their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Verse 10. In that day the root of Jesse who shall stand as a signal for all the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. This is the reading of God's holy word for this Christmas season. You may be seated. So what in the world is he talking about? You know, he's talking about the fulfillment of longings, isn't he? He's he's really talking about how the coming of the Messiah, the birth of the Messiah, fills longings That we all have in our heart, whether we're aware of it or not. And I want to just share with you three specific longings that I think make a huge difference in our Christmas season. And I think think the first one is this. I think what he's saying in this passage is Jesus is the king that we all long for. That's the picture that he's painting. He's talking about the coming of the Messiah. The coming of the one that we long for. We're talking about the fulfillment of yearnings for the king that we've, that we've always wanted. Now, I want to I show you verse 1 again because I want to I kind of set the stage up. What he's doing is he's using, he's using a tree as a metaphor. And I want you to notice how many times he refers to this tree. And, and look at verse 1. He says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall, you know, shall bear fruit. Now, this is, this is fascinating. Now, there's a, there's a lot here, and I want to I just give you a little bit of the kind of the context to what, 
to who he's talking to and, and really what's happening in Israel in this time. This is, this is seven to 800 years before the first Christmas, before Jesus was even born. And he's writing in a time period where Israel used to be a united monarchy, but they were, they were ravaged by civil war as a nation and they divided in half. You had the northern kingdom that took the name Israel, and then the southern kingdom took the name Judah. And so they were still God's people, but now the kingdom is dysfunctional and divided. And so not only that, but what you had is you really had uh, just political and and spiritual failure of the people. And so the Assyrians came in first, they ransacked the northern kingdom of, of Israel, and then about two to three hundred years later, the Babylonians came through and ransacked Judah. And there's nothing but devastation and desolation in the land of, of the, really the promised land, the land of God's chosen people. And so the image that we get here is, is not a beautiful lush and green forest. The image that we get here is a forest that's been completely chopped down and only stumps remain. So there's been devastating destruction. But not only that, but there are illusions that the monarchy itself has failed the people. I mean, not only have the people been rebellious and sinful as they've worshipped idols, but, you know, the kings, the spiritual leaders of the people of Israel have also worshipped the same idols. And so God has let judgment come down on the people. And that's what so much of the book of Isaiah is about. But as I shared with you last week, you know, judgment is never God's final word. It's always redemption, isn't it? So what you have in kind of a heavy first 10 chapters of the book of Isaiah is kind of this gloom and doom, but all of a sudden you have the gospel according to Isaiah right in the middle of this. You have a, you know, the ray of God's grace coming through. And so this is, this is where it comes in verse 1. He says, he says this, that there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Now, do you all know what a shoot is? A shoot is a baby tree. It's like a baby sapling. And what he's talking about is a baby is coming. We already knew that from just a chapter and a half over. You know, Isaiah 9, for for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. So what he's talking about is he's talking about this little life, this stem from a charred dead stump out in the forest. And it's coming out and it's going to bring life. It's going to bring redemption. Now, I know that, you know, many of you are not really that familiar with the Old Testament. I get that. I understand that. Uh, But what's fascinating is this theme of a shoot, this theme of a seed that's coming is all over the Old Testament from beginning to end, all over the place. And so you see it in the very beginning of Genesis where God makes a promise that the seed of the woman is going to be one who will come and crush the evil one and he will crush evil forever. That's what the seed of the woman eventually will do. Well, the story picks up in the life of Abraham where God reveals himself to Abraham and says to Abraham, Abraham, through you, I will, in, I will bless the entire world through your line. And so through Abraham's seed, he bears a son named Isaac. Isaac bears a, uh, bears a son named Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. And Jacob comes to that place of surrendering his life to God and putting his faith in God. And there was such a transformation in Jacob's life, God changed his name to Israel. And then the 12 tribes of Jacob became the 12 tribes of Israel. 
one of those sons, one of those 12, was uh, um, you know, the son of Jacob, Judah. And Judah bears a son through his daughter-in-law, Tamar. Now, there's a whole soap opera behind that. I don't have time to comment on that. Um, you just have to read it for yourself. It's fully dysfunctional. It is. There's no doubt about that. But we also know that through this line comes Rahab the prostitute. Through this line, it makes its way all the way to a man named Boaz, who marries a Moabite woman named Ruth. She bears a son named Obed. Obed bears a son named Jesse. Jesse bears a son. His name is David. Now, I could keep going and going in all of this through Ancestry.com, but I will just tell you that eventually it leads to Mary and Joseph and to Jesus. And the point that Isaiah is trying to make is this, that out of this stump of Jesse is going to be new life. Out of this stump is going to be a shoot, a baby tree that comes, and he's going to bring life from the most devastation, the most devastated of dead places. In other words... This shoot is going to be a great king. He's going to be an amazing king. Now you're like, well, Scott, where do you get that? Well, I I get it partly from Isaiah chapter 9 because Isaiah chapter 9 tells us the prophecy that that the government will be on his shoulders. That tells us something about um, his political weight. It also tells us something about who he is. He is... He is, you know, almighty God. He is everlasting father. He is prince of peace. He is wonderful counselor. So this will be the greatest of all kings. This will be greater than even King David, who was, who was, in the eyes of Jews, the greatest king. But this will be the greatest of all kings. Now, how do we know that? Well, I, I, not only from Isaiah 9, we also know from Isaiah chapter 11. Look at verse 10 again. You might have missed it. But, but let me just read it to you again because this is fascinating. This is not a minor detail here. So verse 10, In that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him the nations will inquire. Now did you notice the metaphor stayed the same but it switched? In verse 1, he's the shoot of the stump of Jesse. He's coming from Jesse. In verse 10, he's the very root of Jesse. So what you have here is this little shoot from the stump of Jesse also happens to be the very root of Jesse. How in the world do you do that? Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about this is not your ordinary shoot out of a dead stump. This this shoot is also the root. This, This shoot preceded Jesse. This shoot created Jesse. This shoot is the created one. He's not only coming out of Jesse, he made Jesse. And you're like, Scott, I don't get it. Well, let me just narrow it down this way. This is God taking on human flesh. The the God that created Jesse and the entire line is the shoot coming out of the stump. And so what Isaiah is telling us here is the greatest of all kings is coming. He's coming one day. And, um, and what he does, church, he specializes in bringing life out of death. This shoot specializes in setting the captives free. This shoot seeks and saves that which is lost. 
this shoot is light and darkness. That's what this king does. That's what he can do for you. What he's talking about is the forgiveness of sins. What he's talking about is being born again. And some of you sit back and you hear me preach week in and week out, and your, your, number, one, your, your number one rebuttal to me is, Scott, you just don't know what I've done. You don't know how bad the sins are in my past. And you know what? I don't know. But I do know what the word says. And the word says this, that where, grace abound, or where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. That though your sins are red like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. As far as the east is from the west, so God will take our sins and move them out of his sight. That's what I do know. And that's the work of the shoot of the stump of Jesse. He raises the dead, church. That's what he does. He raises the spiritual dead. And he will raise the physical dead as well. Um, you know, Ravi Zacharias is a, an apologist, an evangelist. Um, he goes all over the world preaching and uh, as an ambassador for Christ. He's written a book called, Has Christianity Failed You? And he talks about like the greatest evidence of the truth of the gospel is just changed lives that it leaves behind in its wake. And as Ravi Zacharias has preached, you know, just about in every country all over the world, he said, he said, you know what, I've seen the most hardened criminals bow their knee before the cross and be completely transformed in a way that no rehabilitation program could ever accomplish. He said, I've seen entire nations ban the Bible and silence Christians. And the more they do it, the more the spirit of God is working underground to seek and save and to redeem that culture. You know, he said, I, I've seen uh, the most brutal and radical of terrorists come to faith in Christ and be transformed into the most loving, gentle people. Where does that come from? It comes from the shoot, doesn't it? He brings new life out of death. That's what he does. That's his specialty, and he can do it for you. And so, and so you, get a, you, you, you really start to get a picture here of why he's the king that, we've, that we long for. And that's what Isaiah is talking about. The one that you've yearned for, the one you've longed for your entire life, he's, he's come. And he's coming again. Well, what is he like? You know, what are his qualifications? Well, go back and look in verse 2 and let me, let me show you the qualifications of this great king that we long for. He says this, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. So he's describing him as, you know, wisdom and, and uh, understanding and counsel and might and knowledge. He is, he's fully qualified. He is the king we've always longed for. Church, I, I don't mind to be... I mean, I'm going to have to be the bearer of bad news today. So, um, so let me just go ahead and share it. But did you all realize uh, the 2020 uh, campaign for president begins right after the first of the year? Did you know that? So all the campaign stuff's going to start up. And uh, you guys excited about that? Can I get an amen to that? Um, and yeah, so um, and what, is, what does that reveal about us? I mean, don't you just look at both, you know, both parties and candidates from every party and you look at it and you're like, 
ah, that's not getting it done, you know? And what, is it, what does it bring to us? It brings to our mind that we really have a longing for leadership, don't we? We really have a, long, a longing and a yearning for real leadership in our world today. And that's, it's not going to come through our elected process. Man, they're going to make all kinds of promises, promises they can't keep. They're going to promise prosperity. They're going to promise change. They're going to promise they're going to deliver on all that. And I'm just telling you, the kind of leadership that we long for, you can't find it in Washington, D.C. You just can't. And I think that one implication of this is this, as Christians, we just, we don't need to be, we don't need to put our trust in a political candidate. We just don't. Because they will always let us down. Now, I'm, I'm not saying you don't need to vote. Of course you need to vote. Of course you need to be discerning. Of course you need to pray about, you know, all of that. I'm just saying, put your trust in the king that's coming to rule one day. The king that's always come. Does that make sense? So he is the king we've longed for. That's, that's, what, that's what Isaiah is saying. But not only is he the king that we long for, the number, number two is this. Jesus is going to bring the justice that we long for. So when he comes, he's going to bring the justice that we long for. Let me just, let me just show you this from verse 3. Notice what he says. He says, he shall judge by what, he, he, he shall not judge by what his eyes see. Now, what in the world is he talking about? He's not going to make judgments based on just what his eyes see. He's not going to judge by appearances. He's not going to judge by externals. And isn't it, you know, human nature for us to judge that way? Isn't it human nature for me to judge other people that way? To kind of look at what, you know, the clothes that a person wears or the car that a person drives or the house that a person lives in and to make a, a judgment on a person's worth and value based on that. Don't we judge by outward appearance? But what does the Bible say? God looks at the heart. You see, Jesus is the king that we long for and he's going to bring, he's going to bring the justice that we long for. He really will. And he's not going to judge by appearances. He's going to judge with righteousness and faithfulness. Notice, notice the other part of verse 3. He, he's not going to decide disputes by what his ears hear. You know uh, what he's alluding to there? He's not going to make judgments based on gossip and hearsay. He's not going to make judgments based on, you know, misinformation or even you know, not enough information. He's not going to judge that way. What Isaiah says is he's going to judge in righteousness and faithfulness. You know, um, we live in a culture of outrage, don't we? Have y'all noticed over the last 10 years, you know, as Americans, we are outraged at anything. And what we do is we get, you know, we get ticked off at something. We get angry. And what do we do? We go on social media and we go after somebody. And we just live in this culture of outrage. And uh, what, what I've seen is, you know, people get so angry and just so filled with venom and vitriol that they attack and condemn, you know, other people based on hearsay, based on gossip, based on not all the information, you know, based on misinformation. And we see it in social media. And, you know, we've even had it at Center Grove High School over, over the past couple of weeks. I don't, I don't know if you know, 
you know, you know about what's been going on, but a student there has been kind of a target of a kind of a social media lynch mob because of, you know, actions that he took during a basketball game as he was trying to distract the opposing team's free throw shooters at the, at the free throw line. And I don't know what his heart intentions were. I don't. That's the point. I don't know what's in a person's heart. So it's not for me to bring down condemnation, you know, a volcano of condemnation and judgment down on a kid when I don't have all the information. Does that make sense? And so, and so the reality is, I think as Christians, we've got to be careful online. You know, first of all, we don't need to be condemning people based on hearsay or gossip. Secondly, we just don't need to be condemning people. Because we're the ones who deserve to be condemned. We should be extending grace. Why? Because grace has been extended to us. And so I just know that this, this kid at the high school, man, they just went after him. I mean, they told him he should never be forgiven. They, they told him that, his, you know, basically his relationship with his parents should be forever severed. He should never go to college. And he was getting death threats as well. It's just a world we live in. And so, and so we just have this tendency to get sucked into this when we make a judgment that's based on hearsay, gossip, or not all the information. And so what do we long for, right? We long for the one who will not judge that way. You know, a good rule of thumb is, you know, if you're going to say anything face-to-face or on social media, just let it be useful for building others up. And if it doesn't meet that criteria, you don't need to say it. Whether it's your, you know, your sports team's arch rival or your next door neighbor or a political candidate or whatever, just speak only what is helpful for building others up. Does that make sense? Everybody get that? All right, look at verse, look at the next verse. Look at verse four. He says this. So he's gonna bring this, Jesus is gonna bring the justice we long for. Verse four but with righteousness, he will judge the poor and he'll decide with equity for the meek of the earth. Now that sounds kind of hard, like he's gonna come down on the poor or something. No, that's not. What, what he's really talking about is he will, he will contend and care for the poor and he will bring justice to the meek of the earth. And who are the people in our society that are often get overlooked and trampled upon? It's it's the meek, it's the poor, it's the disenfranchised, right? And so what he's saying is this. He's saying, he's saying, I'm going to defend the poor. I'm going to care for them. I'm going to contend for them. And he's not going to do it by, you know, volunteering at Wheeler Mission one day out of the year so he can pat himself on the back for how socially conscious he is. You know, he's not going to do it that way. You know what this king's going to do? He's so great. He becomes poor. Totally poor for us. Like he empties himself, lays it down to become one of us. To the point, he's so poor, he wanted to preach out of a boat. He didn't even have his own boat to preach from. He was so poor, he needed to be buried in a tomb. They had to put him in another man's tomb because he didn't have the money to have his own tomb. That's how great this king is. He is the shoot from the stump of Jesse. And he's going to bring the justice That we long for. Look at verse 4 and look at verse 5. Notice this. You guys, what I'm about to read is not politically correct. Let me just tell you that, all right? 
So get ready, buckle your seatbelt, here we go. He says, he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. That's pretty clear, isn't it? What is he saying? There's going to be a day of judgment. And this great king will be on his throne and, there, and we will all be there. And we will be all struck by what we see. We will all be there. And he's going to strike the earth with the power of his word. With his very breath, it says he will kill the wicked. He will. He's going to judge the, the, you know, the attitudes, the actions, the motives, and the words of the wicked. And he will put an end to it once and for all. He will right every wrong. He will. That's what this great king's going to do. He's bringing the justice, you know, that we long for. You know, I think as pastors, I, I think we, I, I think we kind of do a disservice to our congregations. You know why? Because we, we, we talk so much and we preach so much about the love of God and the grace of God, you know, and you, you hear those messages week in and week out. Because why? Because we just want you to experience the love and the grace of God. It's the greatest thing you could ever experience. We want that so much. But the problem might be or could be that we paint such a picture of, of a loving and forgiving God that in your minds, God is just kind of like a weak old grandfather who can't do anything. He can't handle evil. He can't do anything about sex trafficking. He can't do anything to end abortion. He can't do anything to stop mass murder and terrorism. He can't do anything to, earn, you know, to, to, to wipe out adultery and, and pornography. He, he can't do anything because he's not strong. He's loving, but he's just not strong. Let me tell you, that's not the picture that Scripture paints. He will judge the wicked in righteousness and in faithfulness, and there will be a day when he crushes the evil one, and he crushes evil once and for all. And, you know, my job as a pastor is to get you ready for that day because that's a, that's a test you will have. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, according to Hebrews. And I know that there's some of you, you've never made the decision to put your trust in Jesus. And you're kind of thinking, you know, I'm just going to kind of stand on my righteousness and goodness, you know, on that day. You know, on, on my day of judgment, I'm just going to stand on my own goodness and my own righteousness. Church, let me just tell you, it won't be enough. You will need the righteousness of another. You will. So if you've not taken that step, you need to. Can I share with you two implications of this? I, I think as we read about the justice that this, the, 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 shoot of the stump of Jesse is going to bring. I think, I think one implication is this, that you and I need to be working for justice in an unjust world. I think, I think a worthy way of spending your time and a worthy way of spending my time is that we give ourselves to see that God's justice is represented in an unjust world. That we need to work to end abortion. We need to work to end you know, sex trafficking. We need to work and care for the poor. We need to work and be a friend and love those who are disenfranchised. Why? Because, because that that's represents the kingdom that this great king will bring. The kingdom that he'll consummate. I think, the, I think the second implication is absolutely even bigger than that. And I think it's this. For those of you who've been wronged, for those of you who've been hurt, for those of you who have been abused, you, you need not be bitter. You need not to hold on to, to bitterness against those who've hurt you. Why? Because God says, vengeance is mine and I will repay. In other words, let me handle it. And he will. 
so we don't have to be dominated by anger and bitterness and rage because of what somebody else has done to us or how somebody else has betrayed us and hurt. Why? Because Jesus understands our pain because no one's been abused and betrayed more than him. And he will reign in righteousness and he will judge with all justice. So we can leave revenge and anger and bitterness to him. There's one more yearning he speaks of here. Jesus is not only the king we long for, he not only will bring the justice we long for, but he will bring the healing that we long for. Look with me at verse 6. This is absolutely one of the coolest passages in all of scripture. When you just kind of receive this, it is life-changing. Look at what he says. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. It doesn't say the wolf will eat the lamb. It says the wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, and their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in his holy mountain. Why? Because the entire, the entire earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Now, what is he talking about here? He's really talking about this is our future. He is painting a picture 700 years before the greatest king you know, that's ever been born, was born. He's painting a picture of your future and mine, the future of the redeemed. And what he's saying is there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and the old earth and the old heaven is going to pass away. And, and this is going to be the fulfillment of the world we've longed for. There's going to be peace and harmony, real peace and real harmony in the world. There's going to be redemption. This is the future that God is preparing for us. This is where God is leading us. Isn't that amazing? You know what this means? This means we can go hiking in Montana and we don't need bear spray. That's what it means. It means that we can, we can pet the great white sharks at the Great Barrier Reef. It means we can even go swimming in the White River. Can you believe that? That's what's going to happen here. This is the fruit that comes from the root of Jesse. This is what our Messiah is going to bring. He, he is going to lift the curse that's over creation. This is our future. You know, we have in this, you know, in our church, we've got, we've got kids who, um, you know, their limbs don't work very well. They've got to come in on a wheelchair or they come in with a walker because their bodies just don't work that well or their minds don't work that well. What Isaiah is talking about is because of the shoot of the stump of Jesse, there will be a day when those kids run and jump and leap for joy like they've never run and leaped before. Isn't that amazing? That's what he's talking about. There's some of you battling cancer. You're battling MS. You're, ba you're battling the most severe of allergies. You're, you, you know the pain. You know the pain of miscarriage. You know the pain of infertility. And one day God says, I'm making all things new. And I will wipe away every tear. And the old order of things has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what he's talking about. That's the greatest, man, that's the greatest Christmas present ever right there. That's the joy of Christmas. That's the world we long for, isn't it? We long for it. You know, there was an article in the New York Times this was a few years ago. It was an ad, actually. And uh, somebody basically 
uh, wanted to send this message out and, and it said this, it said, the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. That Christmas is all about the triumph of love and we will be able to build a world of peace and unity. In other words, the answer is in us. The other, in other words, there's enough goodness and enough love in us. If we just kind of work together, we can, we can transform this earth into unity and peace. Don't you believe it? Don't you believe it for a minute? There's only one who can do it. And he's the shoot of the stump of Jesse. He is Jesus Christ, the greatest king. You know how he did it? By becoming one of us. By being born. You know how he did it? He let the judgment and the wrath of a holy God fall on him. So it doesn't have to fall on us. So that you and I could have new life in the midst of sin and death. So that you and I can, can live in a world that's healed of sin and evil forever. That's what our Messiah did. That's what Christmas is all about. And I just want to tell you today, if you've not taken a step to repent and believe the good news, today is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, words cannot describe the joy that we have in the King we've always longed for, the King that you gave us in your Son. And so, God, I pray that you would stir within us, Lord, a clearer picture of the future that you have acquired for us. Lord, that one day you will lift the curse and one day the knowledge the knowledge of God will fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. Lord, we long for that day. We're excited for that day. And I just thank you that you've not made us for this world. You've made us for a world that is to come. So Lord, in the meantime, may we have joy. In the meantime, may we work for justice. In the meantime, may we just communicate grace and compassion in our conversations. God, may we just live a life of love in a dark and un unjust world. And so we give you praise, we give you glory. Here is our great King and all of God's people said, amen. Let's all stand. And we're going to sing declaring that Jesus is our King and proclaiming what He came to do, to be our Savior. And he came in majesty. Here we go. And here is our King, here is our love, here is our God who's come to bring us back to Him. He is the one, He is Jesus. He is our King. He is our love, He is our God who's come to bring us back to Him. He is the one, He is Jesus. From wherever spring arises to heal the ground, 
Christmas joy, right? More than just presents and more than just credit card debt. I'm just, uh, I'm sending you out uh, to be light and to be filled with joy because you know your future. If you're in Christ, your future is secure. The King has done that. And so 
Uh, I'm sending you out to be compassionate. I'm sending you out to work for justice, to make a difference. Uh, I'm sending you out so that people that know you, but they don't know Jesus, would come to know Jesus, the great King, because they know you. So go in his peace, go in his joy. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week.